WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Twenty twenty one was a great year for books and a great year for our Get Lit with All of It book club. Just this week, our partners at the New York Public Library announced its list of the top checkouts of the year. Number one on the list was a twenty twenty Get Lit selection, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And following it up at two and three, respectively, were twenty twenty one Get Lit selections, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia and Claire and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. And also making the top 10 list was our July Get Lit selection, The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delila Harris. You know we love books here and interview many authors, so tomorrow we're going to air some of our favorite conversations about books from the year, including my interview with Ish. He said I could call him Ish. But there were so many great books we didn't have time to include in the show tomorrow, and we know many of you are looking for book recommendations as we head into some downtime over the holidays or maybe looking for last-minute gifts. So returning to the show to give us her list of notable books of 2021 is Ariana Rabellini, author of the book newsletter, Reading Habits. Ariana, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Listeners, we want to hear from you. What is the best book you read this year? It could be a new book. It could be an old favorite. We want to know what you loved reading this year and why. Give us a call 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC, or you can always hit us up on social media at all of it WNYC. And by the way, if you're a local independent bookstore that'll be open for last minute shopping, feel free to give us a ring too. Happy to help out indie bookstores. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. All right, let's start out with some fiction, Ariana. First on your list is Everyone Knows Your Mother is a Witch by Rivka Galchen. It's about a woman accused of being a witch in the 17th century in Germany, but apparently it's funny. It's really funny. And an embarrassing thing about this is that it's based on a true story, and I didn't realize that until actually the author's note at the end, but it takes place in 17th century Germany, and it is about um, the German astronomer Johannes Kepler's mother, who was actually uh, accused of being a witch. So the book is about uh, her kind of leaning on her famous son for you know favors in her defense uh, in this trial. But the sensibility and the language of it is really modern and it's just, it's witty, it's funny. She's kind of this eccentric herbalist woman. It gets into the ways we, you know, kind of punish women for being weird. 
So it's poignant, but it's also, um, I laughed a lot. It's funny. Yeah, the the woman, the person who wrote it said she was thinking about this as an escapism, a piece of escapism. She wrote, I got to get out of this moment. I'm leaving the year. I'm leaving the century. I'm leaving the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) Does it really immerse you in another time? It really does. And I actually, you know, I remember I was reading it waiting for my uh, my COVID vaccine. And I was just like, I'm not in this world at all right now. And I loved returning to it. Um, it's It was maybe the most fun I had reading this year. Next on your list is a novel I really wanted to get to this year and I didn't get to because of my job. I read a lot of books, but I think I might I might try this one over break. Happy Hour by Marlo Granados. It's a New York-based book. The description alone mentions Bed-Stuy, The Upper East Side, The Hamptons. What is the setup of this novel and what does it capture about New York? This novel is so fun. The energy of it is amazing. It's a journal format and it's basically the journal of this young woman, 21 years old, Issa, who's in New York for the summer with her friend Gala. They're broke. They're not citizens. Mm -hmm. um, So they can't even really work. They have these oddball jobs throughout the summer. They're sharing a rental room that they're subletting in an apartment. And it's just, if you've ever been like gone through a party phase when you didn't have a lot of money, you made bad decisions, you dated badly, you'll see some of yourself <laughs> in there. Um, but also, you know, she's she's writing this, she's Filipina and Salvadoran. So a lot of it is a really subtle look at privilege and existing in these really wealthy spheres and really white spheres um, and the way those people speak to her. Uh, it's, it's, again, laugh out loud. I listened to the audiobook, the audio narrator. She's phenomenal. Uh, highly recommend. You should definitely read it. Yeah. Okay. So that's my weekend read. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Let's go to some callers. Pam is calling in from Carol Gardens. Hi, Pam. Thanks for calling all of it. Sure. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I wanted to recommend two. I wanted to recommend two books. One is a novel and one is a book of nonfiction. Um, So the novel I wanted to recommend is a book called Breasts and Eggs by Miko Kawakami. It's a Japanese novel. I think it was written in two stages as two novellas about 15 years apart, but just came out in the first English translation and and complete for the first time this year. And it's a totally amazing, unusual, really interesting book. It kind of reminded me of the Elena Ferrante novels. It was like it huh. written in a voice that was unlike any other novel I'd ever read. I'd ever read. Um, and it's all about women, women's bodies. <laughs> um and what's the name of it again? I you're familiar with it. It's called Breasts and Eggs. Breasts and Eggs. And it's, Thank you. So, thanks so mm-hmm. much for the recommendation. Let's go to Hilda and, in Forest Hills on line three. Hi, Hilda. Thanks for calling all of it. Thanks, Allison. First, I want to tell you that I have uh, tuned into every one of your Get Lit programs during this pandemic. And when I work at night, I listen to the podcast. It's been terrific, and all the recommendations have been truly wonderful. I particular, I loved all the books, but I loved The Matrix because mm. I love historical fiction and the writing and the just learning about this life was wonderful. Um, I would love to recommend the Baroy, B, I think it's B-A-R-O-Y trilogy. It's by a Swedish author whose name I'm blanking out on. But it's beautifully, beautifully written. And um, I would recommend that, especially to you as a wonderful reader. So thank you for this book club. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you 
calling in and I appreciate the kind words and I know everyone on the team does. We love doing the book club. We love having that community. So it's so lovely to hear from someone from the community. Let's go to Nolan calling in from West Caldwell, New Jersey. Hi, Nolan. Thanks for calling all of it. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm so happy to be. I've never called in before, but I had to share because I picked up, I found an author, Frederick Bachman, and he is a Swedish author as well. Uh, and I read, I think, five of his books this year, and there's another one that just came out. Uh, I started with Anxious People, and it is so funny. It, it's Swedish culture, Swedish author, Swedish culture. It is so funny. It's about five people trapped in an apartment, and I, I won't go into it. It's just a funny book. And I read The Man Called Ove, O-V-E. It's not pronounced that way, actually. It's Ove or something. Mm -hmm. uh, it is funny. And then there was a sequel to it, um, Brit Marie something or other, uh, okay. which was funny. Uh, and then there was Bear Town. And Bear Town is about a hockey team in a rural part of Sweden. And it's not a funny book, but it, it, it is, it's a great book. It's a great okay. book. And then there was a sequel to it, uh, which I read, which was great. And then there's <laughs> another sequel to that, which I need to get to. And okay. that's all. Frederick Bachman, he's, he's become my, one of my favorite authors. So. Thank you so much. Your enthusiasm is infectious. I do want to take a call um, that's a little bit more serious. Uh, Rob is calling in on line one. And Rob, thank you so much uh, for calling us and tell us about your remembrance. Oh, hi, Allison. How do you do? Great to hear from you. Um, well, we're celebrating uh, Ben McFall today. He mm -hmm. worked at the Strand for 43 years, and he passed last night, a much-loved uh, book clerk at the Strand. Maybe you know him by sight, or maybe you know him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's being celebrated on Facebook. If anyone wants to have a look, it's Ben McFall. He worked there for 43 years. And I did want to mention that today. Thank you so much for calling us. Yeah, on the Strand's Facebook page, it says, it is with great sadness that we share the news that longtime bookseller Ben McFall passed away yesterday. We cannot begin to count the number of lives touched by Ben's wit and the knowledge of his 40-plus years working at the Strand. So we're so glad you were able to call in and that we were able to commemorate and remember Ben McFall. My guest is Ariana Rebellini. We are talking about some of the best books of the year. Listeners, you always have good recommendations. 212-433-9692. Okay, let's get to some more fiction, Ariana. Uh, Crossroads by Jonathan Franzen. It's a family drama set in the 70s in the Chicago suburbs. All right, I'm going to ask a pointed question. He is one of those writers who's a bold-faced name. Mm -hmm. uh, and is the book really good, or is he on these lists because he's one of what we used to call in the 90s, the Jonathans, the Friends and the Lethem, the Foycefer Foyer? <laughs> yeah, you couldn't avoid the Jonathans. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I did not approach this book with a lot of generosity. I was prepared to not like it. I mean, basically, the thing I know about him is, you know, when he didn't want to be on Oprah's book club. So coming from that, I was ready to just not love it. And I loved it. I really did. It's, you know, it's long. It's 600 pages. It flies. I think I read it in maybe two days. 
Um, it's just a really classic domestic drama about this family. Um, a lot of it takes place on one day, Christmas Eve, and it's about this father. He's a pastor in 70s Chicago, and he's kind of dealing with how his style of preaching is not really cool anymore. It's not really what the world is like. And then you also have the other members of the family. His wife is dealing with a past trauma. His youngest son is a drug dealer. His daughter's having a religious, you know, reckoning. And and it's just, you know, it's it's really good. The characters are complicated. Um, and it's one of a trilogy. So I'm looking forward to the others. It's big. It's 592 pages. That's a commitment. It is. It is. And <laughs> I listened to part of the, I'm a big audiobook person. I listened and read. And uh, yeah, it flew. I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time with it. Let's think about if you want to go to the other end of the spectrum and enjoy some short stories. After Parties is by a young author. It's described as a collection of Cambodian American life. And it, tragically, the author died before the book's release at just the age of, of 28. I believe it was drug-related. How does knowing the story of the author's passing change your experience with this collection? It's, it's really bittersweet because this is such a bright book and there's so much life in it. Um, but it also has a lot of dark humor. And so you kind of see, it's hard not to read that without a reference point of drug use and that kind of escapism. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most of the stories are about Cambodian American uh, communities and, and this kind of reckoning of the generation, the kids of the immigrants, of these parents who survived a genocide and escaped it and and reckoning with this, you know, what do I have to complain about? What am I struggling? What's my relationship to my ethnicity and and my history? And there is that that tension there, that conflict there. Um, and it, it's just made more poignant uh, knowing that he was struggling in real ways too. Let's go to Joe calling in from Idaho. Hi, Joe. Thanks for calling in from Idaho. Hi, good morning. Uh Post Falls, Idaho, or the heart of Trump country. I'm living underground. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my favorite book of the year is uh, not a new book. It's Robert Caro's uh, Lyndon Johnson, Master of the Senate. Mm. And uh, one of my bucket list projects is reading the entire uh, biography of Johnson. He's a very, very complex uh Sneaky uh, SOB. I hope I can say that. But it's fascinating. It's it's like yeah. reading about a Shakespearean uh, character from a tragedy. Can I shoot one back to you if you're into Johnson? There's an amazing biography yeah. of Lady Bird Johnson called Hiding in Plain Sight. We did it for one of our full bio series. So that might be a nice compliment to read to the, the Caro book after you finish. Happy happy reading out there in Idaho and, and good luck underground. Good luck. Yeah. Let's go to Rose on line 10. Hi, Rose. Thanks for calling all of it. Hi, thank you. As what I want to say is very appropriate to what your last caller spoke about. I read Battle for the Soul, which is another political book about mm -hmm. the Democratic campaign. And it's fantastic. It's like being in, in the room and, and listening to the conversations. Thank and you. For... It doesn't pull any punches. You know, not everybody is in a wonderful light, but in the end, um, it's a battle for the soul. 
Thank you for the contribution. Let's go to Leah on line one, calling in from Brooklyn. Hi, Leah. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What are you reading? What have you been reading? The best book I read this year was The Actual Star by Monica Byrne. And this is an incredibly affecting read. It's a novel that spans three ages, 1012 with the Maya culture, 2012, and then 3012 um, in the future. And what I really love about it is that it's actually hopeful about humanity's future after drastic climate change. 3012 is this just amazing vision of a world. And I think we all just need a lot of hope. And it's just such an incredibly braided story that has, uh, you know, it takes a lot for humanity to get there um, to 3012 and this revisioned post-climate change world. But it is just so incredibly hopeful and inspiring. Thank you for the recommendation. And uh, I always have a soft spot for an English professor as an English and American literature major. Susan on line six from Manhattan. Professor? (laughs) Hi, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be on the show. I teach at Fordham, and for the first time, I taught a book that's making the rounds in the academy. It's called The Woman of Color. It was published in 1808. It's by Anonymous. It's about a mixed-race woman who goes from Jamaica to England and back again. It's completely subversive. It's fascinating. Uh, It's totally relevant. I want to give a shout-out to Carrie Sinanen and Lyndon Dominique, who've been instrumental in bringing this book back into our attention. And I I just can't recommend it enough. It blew my mind away. Um, The students were amazed. We had fascinating conversations. 1808, still relevant today, The Woman of Color. Thank you so much. Ariana Rebellini is the author of Reading Habits Newsletter. Okay, before we go to break, I'm going to let you do dealer's choice for one more piece of fiction because we're going to handle nonfiction after the break. What do you think, Ariana? What would you leave us with? I got to say um, The Atmospherians by Alex uh, McElroy. It's a really exciting debut. Uh, it's about uh, this, you know, kind of wellness girl boss who says the wrong thing online, gets, for lack of a better word, canceled, and her childhood friend uh, kind of saves her and invites her to start a cult with him. And it's, it's basically about uh, rehabbing toxic men the whole book is a really funny satire of toxic masculinity, but also just like the traps of gender in general. Um, you know, the the guy who's starting the cult has an eating disorder, so you get into that aspect of it. But also, the whole wellness industry is at times kind of a cult in itself that really preys on femininity, and it's just really funny and really smart. Okay, that one just may have pushed the happy hour to the second slot. I'm not sure. I'm going to think about that during the break. We'll be taking more of your calls about the best books you've read this year. It could be new. It could be old. 212-433-9692. We've got a lot of tweets. We'll get to the tweets after the break, and we'll talk about some nonfiction with Ariana Rebellini. This is all of it.
This is all of it. My guest is Ariana Rebellini, author of the Reading Habits newsletter. You are my guest as well, Team All of It. We're talking about some of the great reads of 2021. Okay, Ariana, before we get into nonfiction, I just want to roll through. We've been getting a lot of tweets. Uh, this is from Miserable Wreck via Twitter. We found short story collection at Casa Magazines in New York City. It's called Marrying Joe Jackson, Stories of Love in New York City. Tizzy R said how the word is passed by Clint Smith was the best read for me. Thoroughly informative, emotion-stirring, approachable for all races. A serious must-read, must-read in caps. Uh, let's go down here to Dibley Fresh, The Crossroads at Midnight, a graphic novel by Abby Howard. Why? Because it's a ghoulish as Tales from the Crypt comic episode, but tender and poignant. A combo of grotesque and sweet is hard to come by. That's an excellent description. Catherine says this list can't exist without luster by Raven Lalani. She goes where no author has gone before. Her style is completely her own. Best fiction of the year so far and best nonfiction is Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. And Annie wrote, I love the hashtag the femme fatale hypothesis by David Roth. Fascinating from the get-go. Charming wise, fanciful and compelling. The more you read, the more puzzle pieces connect. Loved it. And hashtag David Roth is a new author. Ariana, let's get to some of the books on your nonfiction list as well. You have a book that actually featured someone we had on the show, Seek You by Kristen Radke, this graphic novel about a marriage, not novel, um, what would you call it? A graphic exploration? Graphic meaning graphic as an artistry <laughs> about American <laughs> loneliness. Um, how might this book, you know, really be good for someone who might be feeling a little lonely over the holidays? So Kristen is just so good at tapping into like these really common human condition problems. Um, it, it, you know, ironically, it makes you feel connected in that loneliness is something everyone goes through. She actually started writing this before the pandemic. And then, you know, we all really got isolated and it became very relevant. Um, she goes into social media. She goes into the ways we try to connect with people and how those fall flat. And um, it's, you know, it's, sad, but it's also hopeful, the fact that you are not the only person thinking about this. Um, it's part memoir, part, you know, analysis. She's just, you'll feel seen, honestly. Also, I'm going to go to another author we had on. Um, this was a really interesting book, Fulfillment, Winning and Losing in One-Click America by Alec McGillis. He's a, a senior reporter for ProPublica, and obviously... Uh, Amazon is on a lot of people's minds, especially given the uh, the death of eight people, I think eight, six people actually, working at Amazon Warehouse in Illinois after the tornado struck the building and causing the collapse. Um, there are so many people writing and thinking about Amazon right now. What does fulfillment add to the discourse? This is a really good one that gets into the kind of peripheral damage around um, around the company and their physical locations, really economic um, consequences. So mm -hmm. it's a lot about, you know, something that we experienced in New York a few years ago is when Amazon decides where they're going to put these home bases, these factories, these warehouses, and the effect on the, the towns and cities around it and how it, you know, contributes to really wild uh, wealth disparities, um, you know, there's a there's a guy in I think it's Ohio who talks about he's 69 years old working at a warehouse on the same plot of land where he used to work at a steel factory decades ago. He was making 35 an hour. Now he's making 12 an hour. You know, it's just this these infuriating details, um, but from a different kind of perspective. 
We do like a memoir around here, and there's actually a memoir from one of our former colleagues, Rebecca Carroll. People might know her from her podcast, Come Through, and her culture reporting on WNYC. Her memoir is called Surviving the White Gaze. It's about her experience growing up as a black person in a rural New Hampshire town. She was adopted by white parents. What did you like about this memoir specifically? I don't want to be, you know, repeating myself, but it's another great audiobook. She, oh. mm-hmm. it's her, the way she tells her own story. I, I, you have to do, you have to listen, but it's also, um, you know, it's, it was surprising and I hate to admit that, you know, but I think for probably a lot of white audiences, it, it this, you like to think that it's not as bad as it is, but listening to her talk about having grown up as took her years i think she was in elementary school when she met her first black person another black person because she was adopted by um pretty well-meaning white parents who didn't really um you know they're kind of of the mind of we're all the same you know Mm. i don't see color that kind of thing um so it's really about her coming into her own and finding her people um and it's it's just really illuminating Let's take a few more calls. Let's go to Jamont calling in from Harlem on line one. Hi, Jamont. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much. A second time caller, of course, long time listener. Thank you. I want to say that I am reading, I picked up for the past umpteen years, I have a reading one Christmas genre uh, related book. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we all know that Charles Dickens wrote five Christmas stories. And the third of the story that I'm reading is Cricket on the Hearth. Hearth. And uh, I find it very compelling because he gives uh, the reader an opportunity to think along humanitarian lines and to see our fellow man as, a, as individuals who need help in elevating their plight. Hmm. I love that tradition. You said habit. I'm going to start calling it a tradition (laughs) that you read one of those books as well. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to Sue on line 10. Hi, Sue. Thanks for calling all of it. Thank you very much for having me. I really want to um, uh, echo the the, uh, Cliff Smith. Uh, the Clint Smith book, the, mm-hmm. How the Word is Passed, that's really wonderful. But I read a wonderful book. I flew through it. Everyone has heard of the new book by Mbolo uh, Imbue and um, How Beautiful We Were. But her first book, I, I saw it in the library and it was on hold for someone else, and I wondered what else she wrote. And I read Behold the Dreamers, which is an amazing book. I flew through 400 pages of it. But I also have an... Um, a very brief, um, very unusual um, nonfiction book to recommend, and that's called Imperial Twilight by Stephen Platt, who's a professor at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. And it's about the opium wars in China, and it's it draws in today's issues with China. It's really brilliant. I also would, if you don't mind, I'd like to um, highlight Sisters Uptown Bookstore at 1942, oh, yeah. one of my favorite places. Uh, at 1942 Amsterdam on 155th Street, um, and they'll be open um, today and tomorrow till 7. So I just wanted to highlight them. They're a wonderful place. Like that, we got a indie bookstore shout out in there. Thank you so much. Let's talk to Linda on line three. Hi, Linda. Thanks for calling all of it. Hi, great to be here. I want to recommend this one book called Finding the Mother Tree by Suzanne Samard. Um, my Bio for Climate class, we read it this semester, and it was 
amazing. She talks about the relationships between the forest and the mycorrhizal fungi and how mm-hmm. trees communicate to each other and how important it is for us to understand how the the forest is an integral part of the ecosystems. And it's an amazing book. She she talks about her life as a forester and a, a scientist and she she weaves her life story into it. And I got I don't cry too often for books, but I'll tell you when I got done with this one, I was holding it against my chest and I was really uh, amazed by it and uh, it's actually going to be made into a movie with Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal Um, I'm not sure when but I would recommend it highly for anybody who's interested in trying to save the environment because it's so important to for the forest and the ecosystems I love everything about what you just said thank you so much for calling in Johanna wrote uh the best nonfiction book I read this year, Why Calories Don't Count by Giles Yeo. It explodes every diet myth you have ever held dear while being light and funny by a Cambridge University professor of metabolic diseases. That sounds interesting. Okay, so Ariana, Dealer's Choice, a nonfiction book that we didn't talk about that you love people to know about? I'm going to go with The Kissing Bug. Um, oh, my gosh, and I am blanking on the author's name right now. Um, Daisy, uh, Daisy Hernandez. Yes, Daisy thank Hernandez, you, thank yes. you so much. <laughs> Um, it's it's a kind of another memoir slash uh, cultural analysis study about this under uh, you know represented isn't quite right word but it's kind of a ne- neglected disease uh, a parasite from a bug that's native to Latin America and and South America um, but she lost her aunt to it when she was younger so it's about learning about her aunt. Um, and why she didn't know much about this disease, why the country doesn't know much about the disease, even though people are dying from it. Um, so it gets into like, you know, uh, institutional uh, prejudice and, and and racism when it comes to why do we choose which diseases to, to focus on and to, um, you know, research based on who it's affecting. Mm. Ariana Rebellini is the author of Reading Habits, the newsletter. Thank you so much for sharing your list with us. And let's have you back in 2022 to preview some of the, the big reads that are going to be coming out, books that you're looking forward to. Let's do it. Thank you so much. And thanks to listeners for calling in with all of your suggestions.